Welcome to the Helping Hands podcast with me, Gail Louise Turner. On this podcast, I will be chatting to inspirational people and I will be finding out about their life story, their influences and how they give that extra helping hand every day. If you'd like to follow me, please go to my Facebook, which is Gail Louise Turner or on my Instagram, which is Gail GLT. Each episode of the Helping Hands podcast will be having an accompanying Spotify playlist with my guest musical influences. This can be found under Helping Hands podcast playlist on Spotify. Now it's time to sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Today my guest is Claire, a mum of three and music teacher who wants to showcase her work, what she has done through the years and she tells me today about her amazing life story. Online due to the coronavirus, a new way of doing things. Looking forward to hearing her life story. Hi Claire, welcome to the Helping Hands podcast with Claire, music teacher and mother of three. Looking forward to find out your life story this evening. Well, I want you to start from the beginning, Claire. What was your childhood like? I had um, a very loving childhood, very active childhood. Um, I grew up on a farm with my um, two younger siblings. Um, so there's two years between myself and my sister and then um, just shy of five years between myself and my brother. So we basically had a childhood where we were roped into helping out on the farm uh, with lambs, with collecting eggs and such like as much as um, much as any other farmer's son or daughter. And basically it was a pretty sheltered childhood we didn't really get up to too much it was um you know caravan holidays uh, in the UK we didn't go abroad for a while it was kind of everything was just fairly low-key fairly chilled out but it was a very loving family to be in we saw lots of our extended family as well grandparents cousins and yeah that was kind of that was kind of it really so do you feel like you, you, you you're close to your family then yeah definitely at the moment with them um, the isolation it's really really hard work um especially now I've got my own children as well I really lean on um my mum and my sister and um my sister-in-law quite sister-in-laws quite a lot so yeah it's it's a bit strange not having them close to hand in person but obviously all the technology means that we can catch up with each other uh, as regularly as possible and um, yeah and obviously before all of the isolation was going on um, I would try and see my family at least somebody in my family once a week and um, if not more and we'd phone each other really regularly as well so tell me a little bit about yourself um and you've started to tell me about your family and the and the age gaps what was it like having two other siblings at home and living on a, a busy farm as well uh well we kind of just had to we got left to our own devices a little bit I remember one time we would uh, we made a den and an assault course in the hay bales. So at lambing time, which is obviously quite a busy time on the farm, we were often just you know told to come in and help with the with the hay lambs feeding them and stuff. And then we would often sort of make our own fun. And one time we made this amazing assault course, and I remember it so clearly because of the telling off we had after. Um, <laughs> 
when one of the farm workers who had been on the farm since my dad was little so he was kind of really he knew the farm inside out and he didn't mess with Dave uh, well he ended up falling into our hay trap and uh, injuring himself not badly but you know enough to make him very very annoyed with us and we got a massive telling off after that and I'd say um, as far as the relationship and the dynamics between the three siblings I was always a bit kind of I was quite shy as a child actually as a young child like really really quite shy but then I kind of know that I used to really wind up my sister especially <laughs> my brother a little bit although I think my the middle one um my sister was was the the biggest wind up for him but yeah I used to wind her up massively so I'd always be pressing her buttons um although there's plenty of video footage where she's um having a go at me and telling me off um but I think I used to try and do it quite slyly so I think I used to try and do stuff and then aim for her to get into trouble um and then my brother basically was hell-bent on destroying every single game that we ever set up so Sylvalian families he trashed it uh, if we were doing a puppet show he'd ruin it so yeah there was a lot of a lot of noise a lot of shouting and um Especially, um, obviously, as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm a music teacher. So when I first started playing the piano, which is the first instrument I kind of um, got my hands on after a recorder. But yeah, the piano was the first main one. Um, and I remember just whenever they would annoy me, I'd go over to the piano and play something as loud as possible just to really wind them up. And they couldn't really do anything back um, from that. So yeah, it was it must have been hard work for my mum when I look back on it and think about uh, about it. But we were angels whenever we were out in public. It was just a slightly different story when the when we were indoors and the the door was closed. I mean, it's, it sounds it sounds really really fun. I'd like to see some of that footage, and I do feel a little bit sorry for your mum, but I definitely want to see them videos. Is, is that um, actually what made you have want three kids, having that sort of th- third siblings at home? Um, I'm not really sure like so myself and my husband had always wanted more than one child if we were lucky enough to have children and then after our second came along we kind of didn't say that we definitely wanted a third but we didn't say that the door was closed I mean he's one of three as well and I'm one of three and I definitely think my life is richer for having my younger brother as does he with his younger sister so it probably had a little bit of bearing on um, on it um, but it was kind of more coincidence I guess more than um, than, than really organised and planned that we were going to have three children but we're definitely stopping at three because uh, they are definitely a handful <laughs> so you've got um, two boys and a girl that's right isn't it yeah that's have right I got that right yeah that's right so they um, yeah my eldest has started reception class um, just this September gone so unfortunately he's um, really gutted to not be with his friends anymore and I'd say pretty much every day he asks um when is this bug bug going away? I want to see my friends and, you know, refers to coronavirus as a bug that um, is basically getting in his way of having fun with his friends. And he was really settled. He loved his teacher. We loved his teacher. Um, there's some amazing online resources that are going on and she's doing an amazing job at setting work for him. But it's, it's just not the same. And I, I can tell that he's really missing those friendships with him. Um, children his own age so my second is um two years old he'll be three in june and he goes to nursery and um, day and a half a week and uh basically absolutely loves it again and um, decided to keep him in even though i'm currently on maternity leave because of just 
getting him used to that routine and the, the sort of thing that they teach him. So I definitely feel like it's hard work to try and get them um, focused and actually doing anything productive work-wise, like latter learning-wise, phonic-wise, etc. And that's also because of the, the youngest who's eight months. So uh, she's not yet crawling. So I guess that's a good thing because otherwise we'd be constantly picking her up. But she's at that stage where she's kind of gets on all fours and starts rocking back and forth and then gets stuck, starts screaming. She is basically desperate to be on the move and to crawl and um, so yeah keeping her keeping her happy is getting more challenging now that she she knows her own mind and I definitely say she knows her own mind she knows what she wants and Fantastic. she's very very loud and vocal when she wants to get it that, that that reminds me of yourself a little bit I mean the reason I know that is because we are related aren't we well what what relation are we yeah we are you're my cousins though yeah we're the nearest I'm the eldest of the the cousins on that side of the family and then you came along uh just four months after so we've always been uh, had a pretty close childhood when we were seeing each other when we were growing up and um yeah and think back to lots of happy memories uh, when your mum used to cut all of our hair and um you used to come and I'd play the piano and you'd do singing. We'd pretend we were in some sort of pop group <laughs> between ourselves. Or musical theatre or, or something like that, Joseph, and the technical dream came because you are you are a, quite a creative family, aren't you? And I know you love your music and um you you, you do your um extra curriculum at, um, at school, don't you, when you're there? What yeah. sort of things do you do at school? Um so within my work, so I am a secondary music teacher, so that means I teach up to eighteen from eleven to eighteen year olds. And um obviously you have your regular curriculum timetable lessons for key stage three and then the GCSE and A level students. And then in addition to that, uh, we try and offer as broad a range as possible um, extracurricular club. So there's band, um, staff band, there's a musical that happens every year. There is uh, an upper school choir, lower school choir, ukulele group, uh, woodwind groups, um, basically um, jazz band, you name it, we can sort it out, different rock bands. And it's just, it's, it's what makes the music department is what makes me want to teach um really I mean I, I love my curriculum lessons but the extracurricular stuff I mean you're there until you know the dark hours and winter time and long weekend rehearsals as well but it, it makes it all worth it when you see a group of musicians just coming and enjoying performing music together and and it it keeps them happy it it allows them to express something that they've not been able to express before I mean obviously doing concerts and doing shows is great and you it's a different feeling like no other when you put on a, a musical to an audience of 300 you know for three nights um from a, from a high school perspective it is amazing really what the the kids can achieve but it's kind of all those other times in those rehearsals where they're tired they're they're feel a bit downtrodden from something going wrong in another part of the the school day and they they come together and they make music whether that's playing or singing and it can just make all of their worries make all of their frustrations fade away um when they are creating music together and and with us and it's just such a it's such a good feeling it's probably a bit like you know what you get out of music from, from doing podcasts and from the radio stations that you work with it's kind of that 
that same feeling that I get when um, I'm with students making music. That, that's lovely that is and I think that's how you are helping people and giving that people extra helping hand because I think those memories at school because I know um, if you don't remember I was at, um, in choir from about year seven to six form and we used to rehearse on a Friday afternoon um, at break time we used to get into lunch early and I'll always remember this and for me that and go-karting is probably my best memories from school. I love studying but actually the lunchtime clubs and then as teachers you guys must have put in so much work and obviously you know balancing the children as well you must have to put so many hours in but that must help you as well to make you sort of shape you as a person and does it does it actually help you as well yeah definitely I mean I you know I kind of joke with my brother-in-law who's a maths teacher um that he basically has the sort of half seven till three thirty school day Whereas mine's sort of half seven till six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whenever the rehearsals stop um, day. And um, and kind of wind him up about that because the hours that we have to put in are ridiculous. But I mean, we don't have to put them in. We decide to because we know what we get out of it as well as what the students get out of it. And I, I just think that it's um, it's so worthwhile to to feel like you are making a difference to some students' lives, um, even you know, no matter how small that might be. Um, but the look and the appreciation, some of the things that they they tell you when they've finished their their journey with you. I mean, you know, they might go on to never ever remember or get in contact with you again. But um, just for those few years that you do have an influence on them it's it's fantastic really and it definitely helps me feel like they help me you know they they keep me abreast of the current musical trends and all this tiktok and all that and um definitely i kind of i feel like i've become a little bit more empathetic after listening to um some of the things that they've been through and what they've managed to overcome and the strength of character uh, you know that teenagers some teenagers have is just incredible I think sometimes they can be given a, a bad rap um, but genuinely they're you know or every single one of the kids that I've come across whether they are musical in the musical sense that people think or not you know they've all got something to give and they all can express themselves through music in some way and I think that it doesn't have to be about trying to be you know the next Ed Sheeran or the next whoever it's just about them being able to use music as a way of expressing themselves and um, yeah that's really important and I definitely feel like I have become more aware of my own feelings and my own um the way I approach people and, and how how I am with people and um, after working with kids for the last you know well it's coming on to 12 years now well more than that actually gosh that's crazy I first started teaching in 2007 so yeah wow. <laughs> a bit that, that is some career well what so it's I think it's such a beautiful thing that you are helping these kids and there must be some success stories there that maybe um I'm just trying to relate it back to the film so you know the film Footloose with Kevin Bacon he's a small time boy and he goes and he saves it and he brings back music and dance to it and there's like a dance off right at the end have you had any success stories where there's been like, a, I don't know, for example, a little boy or a little girl, really, really shy. They've said, I can't do this music. And then you sort of um, coached them and made them better. And they've gone away a completely different person, like a confident person. And you felt a sort of real um, pride in what you've done for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't presume that it's down to just me uh, making somebody 
go from being a shy individual to then coming out and being, you know, super confident and achieving lots and lots of things. But there are, there are certain students who definitely feel like just that conversation there, you hope that that has had a bearing on them becoming more confident or having a bit more of an ability to feel like they can shine. I mean, I always remember um, there was, we were literally one of the most memorable times for me as a teacher was when we were putting on a show um we were doing hairspray and we had a character in place for one of the roles and literally three days before three days before the first night before opening night um and it was a leading role it was you know one of the main male roles the um lad in question who had that role became ill and and was you know very ill so could not um in any way take on that role and we were sort of left as a group of teachers thinking what on earth are we going to do we've got three nights we need to find someone to take this role up they need to look a certain age they need to be able to act a certain way they need to have the confidence and the flair to do this and to work alongside this female character who had put in hours and hours and hours of time and we literally could not think of like we just didn't know what to do and we were we were really worried that we were going to have to have one of us as a member of staff in <laughs> reading the lines or trying to remember as many lines as possible and there was this lad in year eight who although he was only in year eight he looked a lot older and he'd shown a little bit of talent um within both drama and music and dance but we'd not really had chance to really kind of push him out there and, and get him sort of center stage but we um we had a chat with him because we literally didn't know what else to do and and he agreed to have a go and i remember the lunchtime before we were having so after having a chat with him we had a lunchtime before he was going to end up being with the whole cast who knew everything who knew all the dance moves who knew all the songs all the harmonies blah 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 and i remember having to go through this solo number with him well it's a duet really um with him and this girl and the girl was in sixth form and he was in year eight and to try and give him the confidence to, that he could do it and he had the charisma and the potential to be able to you know to shine it was just one of those lunch times half an hour where I just remember thinking right come on you've really got to big this kid up and you've got to like sell it to him that he is capable of this because he is he just needs to believe it and after that lunchtime of just going over and over and over the song, I mean, he worked his, his backside off after, like for that, that night of the rehearsal um, and the two days before the, before the opening night to get, to get to where he needed to be. But it was just incredible what, what effort he'd put in um, to be able to do that. And we were thinking we'd have to let him go on with the script, but he managed it without the script. We had to, we thought we might have to give a little bit of his singing to another character where we could kind of jig it around a little bit. Um, but he managed to do all the singing. And it was just one of those things where we just noticed this little lad in year, well, he wasn't little, but this lad in year eight just shine. And after then, he then, you know, was in quite a few of the musicals with us and was in a band and is a musician and is hoping to carry on. And there's, you know, it's, it's just fab listening to. I remember um, a couple of nights ago, I was, hadn't really got anything to do, couldn't really think of what to watch on the telly. And I just saw um, another ex-pupil um, who was doing a live session playing um, a load of her own compositions and I listened into that and it's just so amazing what what some of these um, 
ex-students are able to create now, far surpassing any of my compositions, any of my songs. I'm just absolutely in awe of what they're creating and how they, how they do it. I suppose modern technology helped them because I know we had, because well, I did GCSE music as well, um, and I know we had these kind of computers and they went in the 90s, wasn't it? We're going to show our age now. And that was probably the start of it. But the kids today, they've got fantastic technology that they can use. I mean, I'm speaking to you now on Zoom, which I've only learned a week ago, just because we're on this virus. And I thought I need to make podcasts because we've been chucked out the studio. And how how can how can they st- you know tell your stories? So these kids today, in a way, are lucky because they're thrown in with the technology straight away. They're there to learn and they can make some fantastic um, compositions. Do they get to share it online or is it very much in the classroom? Do they still have to hand it in and send it off to be marked? Or are they allowed to share the work nowadays? Um, well, the, it all has to get uploaded um, via the internet and sent over. Um, and it, you kind of have to be a little bit careful about them sharing things publicly for um, it, just in case they get considered anybody else might plagiarize their work or whatever so um it's up to them if they share their work after the examination period and after they've been graded um but i really really advise against them uploading any of their own compositions um prior to the the exam board receiving the compositions and and awarding marks just in case you know imagine that they've put it up on youtube their own work uh, another kid could come along and, you know, either intentionally or unintentionally um, start to take some of those ideas and put them into their own work. Then you could end up in a bit of a, a bit of a sticky situation. So, yeah, I always advise against them sharing anything that's going to be submitted for GCSE or A-level um, until after they've been awarded a grade. Um, but obviously some of them are, you know, already have their own Spotify um, channels and uh, own YouTube channels that they're, they're sharing their output on already and it is it is fantastic you know they've got all of that at their fingertips um, I remember when I was doing A-level music and I had to handwrite my manuscript score to send off to, oh to the exam board and if you made a mistake I missed out a bar of a piano piece so I was doing a piano a minimalist piece on piano and I missed out a bar because minimalism is really repetitive. So it was so easily done. And I had to redo the whole thing. Whereas now with programs like Cubase and Logic, um, they can literally just cut and paste, uh, you know, delete and move things along. And it, yeah, it just make things a lot more accessible. Although obviously perhaps the standard of work that they need to submit has now gone up compared to when we were that age because because of that, the reason that they have all of that sort of stuff, I don't, I don't really know. It's kind of, it's an interesting one. It's, it has its benefits, but then there's been many a time when a child thinks that they've backed up their work, oh, no. hasn't backed up their work, and then is being in tears because their work has gone, or you know, well, the the hour of work that they've done has not been saved, and yeah, oh, it, that must be heartbreaking for them and you as well. Must be, oh, all yeah, that it's work. It must so be it's so infuriating when you're there over the like normally over the Easter holidays we're sort of in for a good chunk of the Easter holidays with year 11 students trying to get them to, you know, you've said to them, this is the deadline, this is the deadline. And they just push it and push it and push it. And so then you end up inevitably being in with them over Easter. And then sometimes that happens and it's just soul destroying because you just want to be at home with your own family. And then you're like, it's all different this year. I mean, did you, uh, obviously you can't mention any names and I wouldn't want you, but some of your students have to finish school and not actually sit any exams or, or anything. Did you have students like that because of the corona? 
Yeah, so obviously at the moment, um, I don't know what I said before, but I'm on maternity leave at the moment. So I'm due to go back uh, at the end of June. So I'm still on maternity leave, but I had the class last year before I had my little girl. And it was quite a big GCSE class and loads of them um, were kind of gearing up performances, compositions, getting themselves ready. Um, we're still quite a lot of coursework based work. So for a lot of subjects like your maths and your um science, English, geography, etc. they are all 100% exam. So students have been working um, towards an exam that would happen in May. Uh, whereas for subjects like dance music, um, are, they are coursework based as well as an exam. So 60% of the work will have been nearly done by kids um, already before uh, the coronavirus hit and schools got closed. So, I mean, that last, that last bit of crazy working that you need to do is over this period now because the coursework needs to be sent off at the beginning of May so they're kind of missed about a month and a bit of being having to work horrendously hard to finish up their work and you just hope that the like you know that all of the students have worked consistently beforehand because wherever they are up to that will have probably a little bit of a bearing on how they'll do and then um, basically I think what what's uh, I'm not 100% sure because as I said I am on maternity leave but the gist of what I get is that teachers have to take into consideration as much of the evidence that you have about how well a student has been performing the work that they've produced already how they've worked in mock exams how well you think they would do in the actual exam all of that needs to be taken into consideration um, for them to get awarded a, a grade this year um, so yeah you just hope that they have done enough beforehand to allow themselves to get the grade that they should be getting what what a decision to make though for you teachers really heartbreaking uh, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. It it is. i'm, I'm kind of glad that i'm not having to be making those decisions because you've got to be as honest as possible because otherwise it would be unfair um on the cohort and the whole cohort could get moved up or down well down it would probably be if the exam board think that you've been too generous so you have to be as transparent as possible and as as honest as possible um but it's must be yeah it must be difficult and i know some of the students feel like they're a bit gutted that they've kind of not had that opportunity to complete things and to, to um finish up with the you know with an exam but hopefully they will all end up coming out of this with a set of grades that they can be proud of because you know they put in all the work for the whole of their school life um, and and then they can, you know, carry on and go on to further education and, uh, and be successful in whatever line of work they choose to do. I'm going to take you back to your childhood and your musical influences in just a second. But on the back of that, what you just said, I think it'd be really nice for you if you could meet these kids in 10 years time. They'll be talking about what's going on now and it'll be lovely to see how um, this has affected them and actually maybe kind of like grounded them a little bit and made them want to work that a little bit harder because it's so different to what we were used to as kids and teenagers doing music in school and it'd be really nice to see how successful they are with all of these barriers in front of their education at the moment so I hope in 10 years time you can meet some of your students again because I think that'd be a really really nice thing yeah yeah it would be interesting yeah, so I'm um, taking you back now to to your childhood because um 
I love music and we can't put any music on because of copyright, but we can talk about things that are going to go on your Spotify playlist. So I've asked all my guests to tell me songs that are going to go on a Spotify playlist, which actually the songs that have inspired you through your life and yours, yours is going to be number five and it's called uh, Gail Louise Turner, Helping Hands Podcast number five music teacher claire and that's what we're going to call it so you'll be able to find that listeners um but i want you to start talking about your musical influences for me claire okay so um i guess when i when i was growing up mum and dad were my biggest influences so their musical tastes and they weren't kind of into pop pop music um my dad was much more into his like the genesis type bands and that sort of thing and um and dire straits in particular which is my first song choice and i I remember dire straits so so much because i used to swim quite a lot i remember going to um i mean i must have been really young when this song got into my head because i was about three when i first started swimming lessons and we used to go quite away it was about a, a half an hour drive really there was a local swimming pool but they wouldn't take students on at three um so we went a bit further because my dad was really keen on me getting to learn how to swim and he would constantly have on the Dire Straits cassette and Sultans of Swing um, in particular um, is just one that I just, the, the guitar riff in that, it just takes me right back. I can literally picture the car we're in and the drive that we used to take. And I must have been like, because we moved to the local swimming pool. Well, by the time I was six, I, I was in the swimming club. So like I must have been literally three, four, five years old when I remember hearing this song over and over and over again on my dad's cassette. And it, yeah, it really takes me back. Um, and just kind of listening to the the instrumental parts of it really much more. Like I always remember, I always would be singing the guitarists or singing the piano uh, parts or, or trying to like beat out the drums and um, much more than the lyrics really the the singing aspect of of music didn't really come to me until a little bit later i was always much more into even as a child like the actual the riffs going on the ostinatos the the little drum rhythms um and i think that's probably one of the reasons why sultan's swing is just so memorable for me such a great song and yeah i remember you've been like that though like instruments was very much your thing and i think for me singing was mine um and i can't sight read for singing but i can hear the song and i think for me hearing that sort of lyrics and song works for me but i remember definitely for you it was all instruments and uh, i used to love hearing you play play the piano so so tell me what other songs inspired you as a child and in your life i guess i guess i was quite i was quite a follower i would say when i was at primary school and my best friend used to live down the lane and i remember she was really into her like mariah carey and whitney houston and we always had to do like little dance routines and sing-alongs at primary school and she had two pianos in her house so I'd be on one and she'd be on the other and we'd be playing away we've actually reminisced about it quite recently it's quite funny and um yeah and we'd be playing away those sorts of those sorts of songs but I was kind of never hugely into um Whitney or Mariah I just kind of went along with it because that was what she liked I kind of preferred my Elton John I would guess and uh sort of the Genesis type thing and then when I really started to get into into music and playing from ear 
um, was when kind of Britpop was just taking off and Oasis and Blur and all of those sorts of bands were huge influences. I would literally just play the songs on repeat over and over and over um, working out the chords because back then you didn't have websites or like the internet to go and like wasn't really usable to go and ask for certain chord sequences for certain songs so you either had the book from the um the local music shop um or you had to work it out yourself so i would constantly be listening trying to work out where the bass was moving to what was happening with the you know with the melody and um singing along a little bit um but like i said it was, i was more about playing it on the piano to begin with um and then sort of fast forwarding to um the beginning of secondary school um spice girls seem to have taken a huge huge um <laughs> they just became massive all of a sudden and my little group of friends again i was still a bit of a follower um they thought it was a great idea um to do this a spice girls dance for part of an assembly i'm not quite sure how i managed to get away with it because everyone else seemed to theme their assemblies around uh, you know don't do drugs don't smoke that sort of thing um, whereas we just did a Spice Girls dance to Wannabe um, but anyway we literally spent every single lunchtime in the art studio learning this dance routine and um, and then we performed it in front of the whole assembly and from that day until the end of year 11 when I left school we were known as the Spice Girls which is quite embarrassing towards the end of our school life. I'm guessing that was about 95 wasn't it when you were in year yeah, 11? Yeah 1995 when we were in year 7 wannabe mm-hmm. yeah and so it kind of yeah it was it was a bit embarrassing by the time we were in year 11 but anyway we sort of we wore it well and then going into sort of when I was in year sort of 10 11 um, and moving into sixth form um, sort of starting to have that independence away from our parents and starting to go on holidays with um, girlfriends and things and um, a couple of albums that were really really like just take me right back are um, from Air and Zero Seven and um, my second choice is Zero Seven um, and it's, it's, it's kind of an album listen really the album's called Simple Things the whole album you just listen to um, I really remember listening to this when I was on my first girls holiday um, in Cardamina in Kos um, it's in Greece Greek Island and I literally had this on repeat over and over and over and I think by then we'd I think we'd gone from mini discs by then to um, the little iPods I'm sure I had a little wow. iPod pod um with this on and so when I was I think we were 16 or 17 and I just listened to the whole album over and over again but Destiny in particular um from the album just the lyric in that is just really lovely and yeah it just sticks with me massively so my third choice is um Groove Armada and this um band in particular um came to my sort of focus when I was at in sixth form and at uni and I remember seeing them live at Nottingham and just being completely blown away and the saxophonist that was playing with them just made me want to play saxophone and clarinet even more and super styling um is kind of one of the songs that just it's just such a feel-good song it helps uplift anybody um and then moving on to my fourth choice we're sort of fast forwarding quite a few years now to my wedding and my a few friends three friends from music um college um played a thousand years uh once when we were signing the register now it's actually from the twilight films but i have never i've never watched twilight i'm not really a 
Twilight fan. Um, but the the melody in the the song and just their arrangement of it just was beautiful and blew me away. And um, I was really grateful that they could um, sort of share the moment with myself and my husband for our wedding day. And then lastly, um, Fleetwood Mac. Um, you can go your own way which is obviously a bit of an older song but that um, was the first song that we played as a staff band at school so at my school there'd been like a staff choir before but they kind of had only really sang a few things that were a bit old-fashioned and the kids kind of took the mickey rather than thinking they sounded <laughs> sounded any good kind of decided to reinvent it when I came back as head of music and um, yeah we started a staff band and Fleetwood Mac, You Can Go Your Own Way was our first number and we just had so much fun and the, the teachers involved were just brilliant and you know we, we kept, we've been doing staff band now for, for many a year from since 2014 all the way through to, to now and it's especially memorable that song because um, a close friend from school um, was in the was in the band with us, and unfortunately she lost her her battle um, with an illness at the beginning of this year. And um, it kind of yeah, it just rings, it just brings back so many memories that song does. Oh well, I want to say thank you so much for telling me your story. I could talk to you forever, and I might I might actually get you on for another podcast a little bit later in the series because fantastic story. Okay, so um, I guess I'm you know hoping to be able to go back to work in the near future once hopefully all this will have subsided and um, schools will start to go into a, a bit more of a normal situation. And um, yeah, I guess. I want to probably continue with the music teaching whilst trying to focus a little bit on the the kiddies whilst they're young and then hopefully when they when they get a little bit older go back into um becoming being head of music again and just really enjoying sharing music um and I kind of have got much more into the singing side of things now and I'm involved in some choirs outside of my own teaching, which are just, you know, completely inspire me every day. And they've helped me um, so much with my own teaching and looking at how I how I try and inspire kids. Um, so, yeah, explore that side of things a little bit more, hopefully. Well, uh, Claire, my thanks. Um, I've loved hearing your inspiring story and how you help them kids every day, giving the extra help in hand, inspiring them. Thank you so much. Uh, this will be shared on Captivate and all of the other podcasts. So we'll be able to listen to this um, podcast. I'll be sharing this alongside Claire's Spotify playlist. Many thanks, Claire, and goodbye for now. <laughs>